Welcome to Faith Baptist Church, Great Village, where we believe in the truth of the gospel, building of community, and engaging in the mission of Christ. We hope you enjoy this week's message as our pastors share from God's Word. It's been a week. It's been a full week. It's been a difficult week and a heavy week. But it's been a remarkably beautiful week and a good week. A lot of tired faces. Some that aren't here this morning, they're on vacation. Tired face, including my own. Uh, I've learned a lot this week, and I'm guessing you have too, about destiny, about the faith of the McClellan family, about family camp, about community, about the good thing it is to be together in the midst of hard things. Really, I've learned more about what it means to share the journey. I've experienced more of what it is to be a church family this week. I've embraced more of the one another's of scripture. And I see them being practiced. I've never had so many words of encouragement expressed to myself and to others. People telling us they're praying. I've never had so many hugs. And I'm not a huggy guy. I've never cried so many tears with my church family as I have this week. I've never experienced the embrace of a church family in such a way as we all did this past week. And the community is watching And they're wondering, with a lot of questions, I've had numerous people reiterate the comment of the community of how unique, what a different thing it is for a church to continue a program like a family camp after facing such a tough loss. That's not normal. It's not normal in this world for such a network of support to already be in place. The world is watching, they're wondering about our faith and how will we continue on. Destiny's memorial service yesterday, many of you were were there and, and many participated online. We had anticipated about 300 people. It was four and a half hours of sharing and remembering Destiny during the service, during the reception, and so many came out to the internment. I believe over 200 people watched the service online. And the ongoing number of people that are going to continue to connect with that message of hope through that service. It's just going to grow. This will continue to be a conversation with the community about the hope that we have in Jesus, especially in the hard things. Jason wanted to invite people to write down their thoughts and their memories about destiny and offer it to the family. You may not have had a chance to chat with the family 
They were pretty busy yesterday. There were a lot of people who wanted to talk to them and, and you may not have had the opportunity or taken the opportunity or maybe like so many of us, you've had new memories pop into your mind. And one of the things people were inspired with yesterday was just how much note-taking Destiny did. And if anything, uh, it would be a good way to honor her and encourage the family to take notes on your thoughts and memories and then have them for the family there. So we wanted to encourage you with that. And I wanted to say, uh, one, of the thing, one of the first things Jason told me when I called him early on in the week, I was calling to comfort him and then he ended up comforting me, which is God and all of it. And Jason is preaching in two weeks' time on August 13th. I'd really encourage you to be here for that. You have people in your life who need hope, who are struggling for answers, who have faced tragedy and loss. Invite them. Tell them to come out in person. Tell them to participate online. It will be a powerful Sunday, the Lord willing. Okay. Our summer series. Some of our favorite characters in the Bible. Over the course of the next three weeks, we're going to have other speakers, other characters from the Bible. But today, I've been thinking a lot about the story of Joseph. We encourage you to read Genesis chapter 37 to 50. It's not the story of Mary's Joseph, although there's a lot of good life lessons there, a lot of good pictures of the gospel there. And it's not Joseph of Arimathea who gave up his garden tomb for for Jesus. Um, it's Joseph, son of Jacob, in the Old Testament book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 37. Next month, Journey Kids just happened to be talking about Joseph. And this past week, my wife and I agreed to help out with the, the kids' portion in the evening of family camp. And the curriculum we chose was on Joseph. And next week, um, yeah, next, next Sunday, I start a week of camp at Mount Traber with the teens, and we're going to spend some time talking about Joseph. Uh, this past week, the memory verse we had planned with the curriculum for the kids was Romans 8.28, which Steve read yesterday, which he reiterated this morning, and a very important verse to Destiny and to her family. I'm not able today to walk us through 13 chapters of the book of Genesis. Let's just get that straight off the bat, okay? <laughs> We're not going to cover everything. We're not going to read everything. But I hope you took the opportunity to read it. And I hope you know a bit and are familiar with the story of Joseph. And if you're not, I would encourage you, get your Bible, get the Bible app on your phone, open it up, Genesis 37 to the end of the book, The Life of Joseph, really good read. Each time I get to preach, um, one of my goals is to find something new, present something new. Uh, not so much to force a new perspective on a passage, but to learn something new for myself from the passage. The dreams of Joseph really have me intrigued. Joseph was a dreamer, literally. God gave him dreams, and God gave him the ability to interpret dreams, and it's a big part of his story, as we'll see. His father was a dreamer too. You remember Jacob's dream, Genesis 28? 
He slept with a rock for a pillow, which I cannot suggest is a good idea. And he dreamt about this ladder up to heaven and the angels were ascending and descending and God speaks. And God gives that same Abrahamic covenant, that same promise to Abraham to Jacob and to his descendants, inheritance, land, multiplied generations, God's people. So Joseph has two dreams at the age of 17, and that's where we're going to pick up the story. Genesis chapter 37, starting in verse 5. Now Joseph had a dream. When he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were bringing sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf rose and stood upright. Behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brother said to him, are you indeed to reign over us or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Notice how dreams is plural there. Verse nine, then he dreamed another dream and told it to his brothers and said, behold, I have dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun, the moon, the 11 stars were bowing down to me. But when he told to his father and his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. I could see why this family would be a little upset, have a hard time with those dreams. We just, we just really have the quick summary of what went on here as recorded by Moses through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but I have to imagine there was more dialogue, don't you think? There was more the family and the brothers had to say. Maybe it's a good point to make right here. Don't shoot down your kids' dreams too hastily. Don't, don't crash in on your brother's dreams too hastily. Maybe God has given them a vision for what he's calling them to do. Maybe God is calling them to the mission field. Maybe God's calling you to make a huge life change and you wonder how people will react to that news. Let's be sure to listen for how God is at work in the lives of other people. Like I said, that's, that's part of our responsibility today, church family. I like that final line in that verse, but his father kept this saying in mind. It kind of sounds like Mary in the Christmas story, the announcement of the angels. Mary treasured up all these things in their heart, pondering on them, wondering what the message of the angels might mean. Why did Jacob... Remember this. Why did he keep it in mind? Because Jacob had heard from God in a dream before. Jacob knew the covenant promise for his family and that it was for the generations to come after him, including Joseph. Jacob knew it meant something for Joseph's future. The two dreams are really a snapshot of Joseph's future. Someday in Egypt, when Joseph is second in command to Pharaoh, because he interpreted Pharaoh's dreams, seven years of plenty, seven years of few, seven years of little. And because God blessed his planning and his preparation based on the interpretation of that dream to provide food for a multitude of people during the famine, 
his brothers included, who come to him bowed down, begging for mercy. On that day, the fulfillment of these dreams. But here's the part I hadn't really thought about. Joseph had these dreams when he was 17 years old. And they're a snapshot of what would happen at the end of his story in Egypt. And he knew that. What he didn't know was everything in between. He knew what life had been like in the first 17 years with his family and with his older brothers and their jealousy and the frustration. And he also knew about the dreams of someday. What he didn't know was how he would get there and what the journey would be like. It's not totally unlike you and I. We, we know where we've been. We know what we've been through. Maybe better than anybody else, but we don't know what's next. We have a glimpse. We have a snapshot of eternity. But there are a lot of unknowns between where we're at right now and someday in eternity. You know, last Sunday we talked about Psalm 133 and the key verse, the theme of family reunion, how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. And then I read Psalm 132, verse 1, remember all the hardships David endured. And I made it pretty clear last Sunday that I wasn't thinking about hard things. I was thinking about guitars around the campfire, corn on the cob, baseball game. Nobody knew that family camp would be the type of reunion that it was. To be so shoulder to shoulder united with our church family with a clear mission in mind to come together in our pain and loss and set our sights on the hope of Jesus. I have plans for next week. I'm guessing you have plans for next week. And I mentioned the week after that, my plan is to speak at Mount Traber to the teens. I have a bunch of weddings that I want to attend and participate in this summer and into the fall. And the kids are going to school in the fall. We're looking forward to more baptisms. We're looking forward to bringing people into membership in the fall. But all of those are plans. I don't know what God has in store. I've been reminded this week that I want my plans to coincide with God's plans as much as I can. I want to ask the question more often, God, what do you have for me in this season? Here's what I want. Is it your desire for me and for the people I get to minister to? God, if you will, my plans are to go here and do this. Isn't it how Jesus closes the Lord's Prayer? Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. Sorry, I reversed those. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we have this snapshot of heaven and what eternity is going to be looking like. 
And we were really thinking about, we have been thinking about that a lot through the course of this week and yesterday's service. God's will is what we want between here and there. And I want to submit my will to his. Heaven is our dream. It's our vision of the future. Heaven is the snapshot of our our eternal home and it's secured because of the sacrifice of God's son. Our sin is pardoned and we are brought near into the family of God, into the kingdom of God, into the presence of God for all of eternity. That's our picture of the end of the story. But between here and there, I've still got a lot of questions. And I imagine you do too. I have to imagine Joseph had questions. Joseph is one of these exemplary characters in scripture. You can't find any dirt on Joseph. Can't say anything bad about him. Maybe maybe there was a bit of cockiness. Some versions use that term when he was talking about his dreams in front of his brothers. But over the course of his life story, this one thing remains true is that he was a man of integrity. Who he was in the dark, in the bottom of the pit and the prison was who he was when God had him successful on top. But I have to imagine he wondered, God, how does my current predicament result in the dream that you showed me for my future? I know how it started, I know how it's going to end, and I just assume the plot line in the middle will progressively lead towards that dream in the end. Because the quickest route from point A to point B is a straight line, right? I wonder if he anticipated the roller coaster that life was going to throw at him. Okay, we're halfway through the sermon. Just wanted you to know that. So it's time for a story. Uh, We were at SeaWorld in Orlando, Florida, five or six years ago, a bunch of extended family. And the first thing everybody goes to see in SeaWorld is the whales. Yeah, yeah. Shamu. Shamu is at SeaWorld in Orlando, right? I got that right? So we go to see the whale show. It's like the first 40 minutes of our long day at the park. And uh, I'm holding, I'll say, a toddler, because I don't want to embarrass anybody, and the other cousins and aunts and uncles are right down in the splash zone, and you know how Shamu goes around, he splashes all the water over, and they're getting soaked, they're having a great time, and then I realize I'm getting soaked. Because <laughs> we'd, we'd been doing some potty training, and I don't know, the whale show was scarier than we had anticipated. <laughs> and so I took a shower in the sink in the public restroom at SeaWorld in the first 40 minutes of our experience there. So it was off to an unexpected start, to say the least. But that, that's not really what I wanted to share with you. What I wanted to share with you is that right after that, the very next thing, walked out of the public restroom, and the first roller coaster right there had no line. So we said, this is it. Let's get in. There's going to be a lineup for the rest of the day. Let's go. So myself... I think Elsie came, uh, aunt and uncle, and then a few of the oldest cousins decided to come on this ride. And it was called the Manta Ray roller coaster. And the entryway is just like this picture of this big stingray coming out from the rocks. And then you walk through a tunnel. So you can't really see the roller coaster. You really don't know what you're getting into. You're just entering this dark tunnel and they have these mist machines to cool you off because it's Florida and it's hot. 
And they have these uh, safety videos that are playing, you know, we're not responsible for your stuff, but leave all your stuff in this container right here with this teenager who works the ride and he'll be sure to keep an eye on it. <laughs> and then uh, as you walk in and you're at the, I don't know what you call it, loading dock for the ride, and you still can't see the ride, you're still in this cave, you just know the roller coaster goes out that tunnel and it comes in this tunnel really fast. And the people who get off, their hair is windblown and they're missing their flip-flops. So you. <laughs> You drop off your stuff, you get on the roller coaster, and it's one of those roller coasters that's like the monorail that's above, and the, the seats dangle beneath it. So you set all your stuff over here, and then you climb into this torture device of a seat, and uh, then you put your, your shoulder straps down, and I, I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm, I'm all torso. So they don't often quite fit, and then that teenage worker comes along to make sure it's secure, and he jams that thing down, and. I feel secure now. And then the, the floor drops out from under you and your feet are dangling. And I remember looking over at my cousin, the youngest one to agree to go on the ride, and you could see it all over her face. When she walked into that tunnel to get on that ride, she was not expecting a roller coaster like that. And like a flash, we were off hundreds of feet in the air before we plummeted towards the water and did these corkscrews and twists and turns and through the tunnel. We may have even gone underwater in like a tube where you could see the manta rays swimming, I don't know. It just all happened before my eyes and then like a flash, we stopped back at that loading dock, the floor came up and I just remember watching my cousin get off that ride with this look of shock and terror on her face. And she just kept repeating, I didn't know it was going to be like that. I didn't know it was going to be like that. I didn't know it was going to be like that. It's a highlight of my trip, really. <laughs> like Joseph, all we could see of the roller coaster was the start and the finish. And we didn't know any of the twists and turns in between. We knew where it began we knew where it ended, and we didn't know what lay in between. Joseph had to be shocked when his brothers threw him into that well. Like, my dream said I'm going to be up there, but I'm down here. And then maybe there was a sense of relief when his brothers threw the rope down, and they hauled him up out of the well. Then he realized that they were just selling him to Midianite slave traders on their way to Egypt. What's interesting is that we'll see the Midianites in the very next book. The Midianites who carried Joseph to Egypt, it was the Midianites who cared for Moses when he left Egypt. We don't get to hear Joseph's internal dialogue as He's being led away captive by these slave traders, but one thing Joseph discovered was that God was with him. Genesis 39 and verse 2. Read a section here. The Lord was with Joseph. He became a successful man. He was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord caused all all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in, the sight, in his sight and attended him. He made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From that time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, 
the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in his house and in the field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food that he ate. I just imagine Joseph thinking like, here we go. Here's the dream God has for me. This is it. This is what God has for me. This is more in line with the vision that he gave to me. I wonder if Joseph thought that was it. This was the top. This was the extent of God's purpose for his life. You know, maybe you've succumbed to this idea that God has already accomplished everything he wants to accomplish in your life. You keep talking about that missions trip maybe 10 years ago. Maybe the ministry you were involved in when you were a young adult. Could it be as Joseph is about to find out that God has more in store for him, that his plans go far beyond your perception of time and space? So then there's Potiphar's wife, the Egyptian master's wife, the temptation. Joseph, in his integrity, he refused and he says, I can't do this against my master Potiphar, but even more, I can't do it against my God. Paul says to Timothy, flee youthful lust. Joseph runs. But what does he leave behind? She grabs his outer garment. His cloak. She uses it as a sort of proof to Potiphar in her lie, in her accusation against Joseph. And Joseph is thrown in prison innocent. He was down in the well, now he's down in the cell. The colorful coat was used to lie to his father, this time it's his garment that's used to lie to Potiphar. I never thought about that before. Joseph's coat was used to show favor and then to prove a lie, and then another coat of Joseph's was used to prove another lie against Joseph. We know man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart, doesn't he? God saw Joseph. Potiphar saw the coat. God knew Joseph was alive and well. Jacob saw the coat. It would have been really easy for Joseph to give in to that lie that the outward appearance of the circumstance was the direct truth about him and about God's plans for him. But our limited view of our current physical circumstances is but a drop in the bucket of all that God is working and doing and reaching and moving in time and space, spirit and eternity. Genesis 39 and verse 21. But... The Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. The keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. Whatever he did, the Lord made it to succeed. 
Do you think Joseph is learning some lessons on who's actually in control of what is allowed to happen in his life? Do you realize there is no depth of well or darkness of cell or sin of hell that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus? If you've made the personal decision of faith in Jesus' accomplished work, then the Spirit of God dwells within you and God's presence is with you. Even in the depth and darkness, the deepest valleys that life throws at us. Whatever the bumps and turns of this life, there God is in the midst. We cannot fathom the wonder of his plans that he's working through the roller coasters of this life. Joseph was forgotten in that prison for years until Pharaoh needed an interpreter for a dream. Joseph was finally remembered and called upon, and through the interpretation of those dreams, by the power of God, Joseph was put in charge of preparations for the coming famine. The world would be tempted to call it happenstance and chance. What a coincidence. If we all put the leadership and successful practices of Joseph into place, right? But we know better. The providential, faithful plan of God before the foundations of the earth were laid for the unfolding of his redemptive plan of eternity, God allows the hard things in this life to bring about his good plan of redemption and restoration for all creation. So here we are. This is the moment. Joseph had dreamt of this when he was 17. His brothers are bowing before him. They're offering their life for their youngest brother in the test. Joseph removes that outer appearance of Egyptian custom and he reveals himself to his brothers. He embraces them. He brings the whole family to Egypt. And after his father Jacob blesses Joseph and his sons, he dies. Joseph's brothers bow down to him in fear again, begging for forgiveness. And here it is, Genesis chapter 50 and verse 18. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. Just like the picture of those dreams when he was 17. But Joseph said to them, do not fear for am I in the place of God? See, Joseph had learned a lot of things from that point when he was 17 and he received those two dreams until he's living them out here at the end of the book. You know, one of the key things that Joseph learned, he wasn't in control. He wasn't the one calling the shots. He wasn't the one setting the plans in place and making them happen. He says, am I in the place of God? There's no way Joseph could sit back and say, you know what, my road was rocky, but it, it went according to plan. No, he would never say that. He would say according to God's plan. Verse 20, 
This is the key verse right here. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and he spoke kindly to them. You know, we've mentioned Romans 8, 28, memory verse for the kids this past week, special to Destiny and her family. It's also the life verse that Elsie and I have, have held to probably for 15 years. It really is the words of Joseph to his brothers right here at the end of the story. Finally, in hindsight, Joseph understood why he was sold, why he was lied about, why he had been thrown into that pit, why he had spent years as a slave, why he was wrongfully accused and thrown into prison, an innocent man, lied about again, why he had been forgotten for years in prison, he could finally connect those dots. And in the end, he said, you may have meant this for evil, but God meant this for good. And if you read the redemptive story throughout the course of scripture, we too can share in that hope as it is in Romans 8.28 because we know we, we don't know what's going to happen next. We don't know what's going to take place between here and eternity, but we do know that all things work together for good according to those who love God, according to his purposes for them. It was because God had a bigger plan in store. You know, if Joseph had chosen to live a comfortable life, to reject the dreams that God had shown him, to be a shepherd like his brothers and just hang out in tents like his father had done with his father had done with his father and just kept doing what was expected and didn't step out in faith when God called him, you know, we wouldn't have this story to read today. We wouldn't have the history of the Hebrew people, the slavery in Egypt, the freedom from Egypt, the lineage of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Redeemer, if Joseph hadn't have followed God's plans for his life and gone through these traumatic things. It wasn't until the end that Joseph could see how all of the highs and lows worked together for good. Now we have some discussion questions and I'm not gonna put them on screen. They're gonna be available through the course of the week for discussion, but here's how I wanna end today. You're sitting with people in this room. If you're participating online, chances are you've got somebody next to you. Maybe you're sitting on the couch with them. For the next few minutes, and I finished relatively early. Look at that, it's not even 11.40. For the next few minutes, why don't you take the opportunity to turn to the person next to you and just have a conversation about some of the pits and the prisons that maybe you've been in life and some of your uncertainty and the doubt in the midst of your faith for what is to come and then spend some time in prayer together. Does that sound good? I'm going to close in prayer and I would encourage you, spend some time
with the person next to you. If you're not sitting with somebody, just scooch over to that person and, and spend some time in prayer. Okay, let's close our service in prayer. God, we want to thank you and praise you that we get to come together today to remember, to celebrate, to consider all the good that you are working through the hard things. God, we praise you that we don't have to come up with our own incredible plan of how everything works together because you have already had it in place before time began. We don't understand all of the elements of the theology of providence or how you, you know what's going to take place before it ever happens and, and you have good things in mind, good plans for us. God, you know, and through faith and trust, we're gonna leave that in your precious care. But God, would you help us through the roller coaster of this life as we share the journey together as a church family, a family of families. Thank you for the hope of the gospel. Thank you for that song we started with, My Lighthouse, and how the light of the gospel shines best through the darkness of difficulty. God, we pray that as that light shines on so many who do not have that hope and can't understand how we can continue on in the face of tragedy, God, would you show them how much you love them and your marvelous grace in the face of Christ Jesus. Give them the courage and faith to respond, to confess their sin, and to call on the name of the Lord to be saved. Thank you for the salvation that you are working in the hearts of so many today. We praise your great and holy name, God. In Jesus' name, amen.